0: hello and welcome back to the upper bowl gm podcast as always it is your host nick serrars and today we have a very very nice hockey centric discussion for you today with one of the smarter people i know from hockey twitter i heard him talking in a twitter spaces a couple of months ago immediately threw him a follow really insightful we're gonna have a nice conversation about both the calgary flames and the arizona coyotes but before i get to today's conversation with mike i do have to remind everyone to help support the show there's a couple ways to do it the easy one is bumping it on social media wherever you see it facebook twitter instagram snapchat wherever you see the show bump it so other people can find it the other way is by following the show's feed on whatever podcasting platform you like to use if you are using apple Podcasts, you have an added responsibility Since Apple controls most of the known world, more people have iPhones, more people use Apple Podcasts, please, 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 on the show's homepage, scroll down to the bottom, there are going to be five clear purple stars. Hit the one furthest to the right, that's leaving a five-star review, but that is a button with purple letters that says write a review. Please leave a few words of encouragement. Support your content creators, folks. We're all busting our asses to try and make your day a little bit better. So, as a little bit of flavor for this episode, these are two NHL teams in very different points. The Arizona Coyotes are in the early stages of a tear-it-down-to-the-studs rebuild, starting over from scratch, and they had to go about doing this eventually because their cover was just too bare. Yes, they've picked pretty high in a lot of drafts, but they've also given away a lot of assets for older players, for more established guys, trading for Phil Kessel, trading for Taylor Hall, amongst others, but Arizona is starting from scratch. They've got a few compelling pieces. I'm sure we'll get into Jacob Chichurian, the defenseman who is very good amongst others, but Arizona started from scratch, their general manager, Bill Armstrong's only been on the job for two seasons now. He's got a long road ahead of him. And then Calgary is in that area you never want to be in sports. They're in that soggy middle where they will probably a fringe playoff team, more likely to make the playoffs because they play in that weak Pacific division. But for all intents and purposes, we know they're not a real Stanley Cup contender because they just don't have enough high-end players. I like a lot of their roster. But some of the decisions they made this offseason, some of the people they brought in, whether it be Nikita Zadorov, Trevor Lewis, Blake Coleman, these are all moves you would make if you were a team that was on the cusp of winning a Stanley Cup. Focusing on depth players who can maybe help you out a little bit, but your top six still has things to figure out, is not good roster building. You focus on your depth once your top six and your first three or four defensemen are established. Then you can worry about trying to fill out the right complementary pieces to make your team better. Because right now, Calgary's in that soggy middle. They'll probably be in the mix for that third playoff spot from the Pacific Division, depending on how Edmonton plays out, depending on how Seattle plays out. Hell, even if the Canucks kind of turn it around and aren't the absolute worst defense in the league, they could possibly get themselves into the mix. So, Their general manager, Brad Tree Living, is in an interesting position. He fired his head coach mid-season last year, brought in Daryl Sutter literally off of the farm. He had to quarantine for two weeks, got in, and Calgary did turn it around once Sutter got there. But it was by playing the Daryl Sutter style of hockey that is a little bit less viable as a strategy for winning in today's day and age, a lot more focused on low event games, 50 total scoring chances between both teams and trying to win every game 2-1 or 3-2. I hope that was a nice little bit of flavor for you guys. I will see you guys on the other side of the drop with Mike. Shot block, a shot, scores! Matthew Kachuk. What a goal! Less than a second left in overtime, Kachuk with a beauty! And the Flames complete the comeback and win 6-5 to five in Nashville. And with that, as promised, to talk about the Flames and the Coyotes, I welcome on Mike Gould. How are you doing, Mike?
1: It's, you know, Calgary. <laughs> I'm in Calgary right now. It's it's an interesting spot to be in in the world right now because we're dealing with a lot of smoke from uh, wildfires sort of in the province and in BC, but otherwise I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing, Nick? I'm pretty we're
0: getting to that point in the summer now for as hockey fans where we're all kind of just waiting for the season to happen now because all the big transactions have happened and we're all kind of waiting to see if eichel's gonna happen or not but i'm kind of in the process of doing a temperature check at a bunch of different places around the league to kind of gauge how people feel about what the teams they either are a fan of or the teams they cover have done in the offseason which is why you're here so We'll start with Calgary, who was one of the teams I really had a fun time enjoying this past season. I know that sounds weird to say about a team that missed the playoffs, but I was really compelled with the games in that North division. And there are a lot of guys on that Calgary team I wasn't as familiar with that watching this year I found an appreciation for. I mean, the most obvious one, Andrew Mangiapane, just watching him every single night was just, those kind of energy forwards who, they win all the loose battles, they're the first one there, they're winning the retrievals, are very exciting. But before we get to Andrew, I want to start with the big picture. Calgary is kind of in that weird in-between right now, where they have enough players that are decent, where they should be relatively competitive, but they know they're not in the ilk of contender with a Vegas, a Colorado, or Tampa. So in terms of just how you feel about the Flames right now, what would you say is the best way to look at Calgary's situation?
1: Um, Calgary is a pretty directionless team. <clears throat> um, they are a team that has lacked sort of elite talent up the middle ever since they traded Joe Neuendijk to Dallas. Um, it's It's an interesting situation, and it's a team that – I feel personally would benefit from either going all in or going going all out. Um, and yeah, like that's, that's the situation that can maybe apply to a few teams in this league, but obviously the all in uh, scenario would be if they were to acquire Jack Eichel, um, which is something they have definitely been linked to, uh, very heavily. Um, what it would take. I don't know. I don't know what Buffalo is looking for. Um, my presumption is that if you're going to acquire Jack Eichel, Sean Monahan's probably the guy heading out um, either to Buffalo or in a different trade. Um, but yeah, that, that would be a move that I think would do a lot to establish Calgary as a relevant team. Uh, if they can't do that, I mean, it's hard to justify not doing something that constitutes at least a significant retool, um, although my expectation is that a Johnny Gaudreau contract is probably going to happen this summer. Um, Mm -hmm. if, if like, it just, it makes sense. Gaudreau likes it here. Um, and there's just been a lot of just, I I just get the sense that it's, that it's probably going to happen at some point. Um, you know, and a team that has Gaudreau and Eichel is going to be pretty good, I think, but yeah. Um, it's 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 difficult because it's a team that's lost Mark Giordano, um, and the defense is iffy, to say the least, right now, banking on a lot of things on the back end. They don't really have that, you know, that pillar anymore, which was something that sort of buoyed the team on the back end for 10 years, basically. So that's going to be tricky. They need Jacob Markstrom to bounce back, but adding a guy like Jack Heichel immediately, you know, removes a lot of the qualifiers from that team they 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 have a lot more room for error if they can add a guy like jack echo whereas right now it seems like for the flames to do anything they kind of need everything to go right and it's happened before but it's going to be hard for it to happen again
0: I mean, it, this is a team not far removed from, you know, being in the President's Trophy mix. I mean, that was, what, two three years ago where they were legitimately one of the best teams in hockey. Yes, it helps playing in that division, but they produced really well. Giordano won the Norris. They had a top six that was really humming, and they kind of missed their window. And I know that sounds weird to say about a team that really never made the Cup Final, but a lot of the pieces from that team have either moved on or kind of fizzled out. Like... Johnny Goudreau at one point was a bona fide 9,500-point guy, and now it seems he's more of a 70, 75-point kind of guy, which there's nothing wrong with that. You need those kind of guys. But to your point about lacking high-end talent, you do need someone who can pick up the bulk of the load because right now it's just a bunch of nice pieces is what Calgary That's
1: right. has. I agree. Um, it's funny to think of that team looking back at it now, a couple of years removed. Their biggest high-profile acquisition that summer ended up being a complete non-factor for that team in James Neal. Yeah. um, Who was just abysmal in his one year in Calgary. And yet it didn't really seem to matter because that team had four strong lines. Um, You know, even thinking, you know, Calgary losing a guy like Derek Ryan to Edmonton is going to hurt them. Like that's their, their depth has been depleted rather significantly in the years since, and they haven't had a ton of guys coming up to step up. Ah, uh, Pani the obvious one, but even he was on that team. He was um, yeah. a huge part of why that fourth line was so good down the stretch. And now he's on their second line, obviously. But the Flames haven't really been able to find any other Mangia so They've had Dylan Dubé come up, and he's been, you know, okay. They've had Adam Razichka come up for a couple games. Glenn Godden come up for a couple games. But it hasn't really been... Uh, They haven't really been able to graduate anybody to really strengthen that forward group internally. And so as a result, they've gone out and they've made some bets on depth forwards who haven't really worked out that well. Guys like Joachim Nordstroms and Dominic Simones who just have come in and been almost complete non-factors. So, yeah, their forward depth is um, iffy. And it's something that I think they really need to make a big splash to address. And until they do that, it's hard for me to look at Calgary as being much more than just, you know, a middling team, which in the Pacific can probably get you somewhere, but um, it's not sustainable. It's not going to lead to the team being anything more than decent for a couple of years so the obvious
0: question is then why do you bring in a coach who's been retired for the last few years because that sets a very clear message of we need to add something to this group because this coach is not going to be here five years from now if we were to tear it down but until you go out and get that Eichel, you know, Daryl Shutter's low event, you know, 50 total scoring chances between both teams, try and win every game three to two, two to one is manageable in the regular season. But if you get to a playoffs, you're just not going to score enough because there isn't the Anze Kopitar, there isn't the Jeff Carter, there isn't the Mike Richards for Calgary.
1: Yeah. Well, the funny thing about Daryl is that when he was here and when he was, you know, running the show as the GM, the Flames were one of the most active teams in the NHL when it came to sort of reshaping their forward group on a seemingly a yearly basis. I mean, even after immediately after they went to the Stanley Cup Final in 2004, they made a big trade to get Damon Lanko from Phoenix, and Damon Lanko was fantastic. Uh, they made a huge trade to get Alex Tangay. They made a huge trade to get Mike Camilleri. They got Christian Huselius, They got. Uh, 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 Ole Okunin, I mean, they just they just got forward after forward after forward after forward. And all those guys were really high scorers for the team. Um, and, you know, it, the, the Flames had an ever changing forward group, even down to guys like Rene Bork. Uh, and, yeah, Glenn and Glencross. These guys just coming in and in and in. And then you look at it and under Brad, the Flames haven't made a single forward for forward trade midseason. The last time the Flames traded a forward for a forward under NHL contract midseason was Mike Camilleri for Rene Bork back in 2012. That was under Jay Feaster. Um, the last four forwards the Flames have traded for are Tyler Pitlick, Milan Lucic, uh, God, there's a couple more that are Kirby Reichel, and, uh, oh, man, I don't even remember. But it's, it's, all, it's all sort of that, that sort of vintage. I think it might have been Nick Shore. Um, like it's just these these tiny little moves that we're never going to like it's the equivalent of them like giving up a seventh round pick to, you know, add a fourth line right winger. They're just sort of they, they, they sort of think that this is their team and the answers are in the room and and there haven't really been those those moves to sort of address needs, except in UFA where they just make some really bad bets and they bring in guys like Mason Raymond and Troy Brower Guys who have very, very clearly already had their best seasons and are not, you know, capable of providing much in the way of offense anymore. So it's it's been a weird, it's been a weird seven or so years under Brad Tree living, where we're not seeing the team, you know, making the splashes and going for guys like Alex Tangay anymore, or the high upside bets. We're sort of seeing them just trying to, trying to just you know, you know, bank on their own guys trying to get better and. And if anything, they've almost kind of gotten worse. And it's, it's, it's not the direction you want to be going in for a team. Um, it's, it's just tough. you know, it's, it's, it's something where you see a guy like Jack Eichel available. And the number of forwards that have changed hands in the last few years, guys like Victor Arvidsson and Mark Stone, and, and I don't even know. I mean, there's just been so many. Max Pacioretty. Uh, it's just, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to quantify just how many forwards the Flames have sort of been in on Jason Zucker and they've just changed hands and, and just haven't gone to Calgary. It's, there's been a ton of them coming into the Pacific. Um, and so it just feels like high time for the Flames to, you know, make that move and get that guy, uh, you know, and, and compete, you know, you know, <laughs> keep up with the Joneses, you know, you know, get that guy, get, get better. It just feels like they're a little overdue to make that move
0: what do you think about the established core that's in place because we've been talking about it so i when i think of the flames i think of the the core being at least as of now johnny hockey i think of matthew matthew kachuk I think of Hampus Lindholm, and I think of Noah Hannafin. That's really the established group that I think of when I think of the Flames. Is that a high enough upside group that you can worry about just, all right, we need one more top six forward, and then everything else should fall into place a little bit more clearly? Or do you feel like that those guys' skill sets don't complement each other well enough to be a core of a successful team?
1: I think those guys' skill sets complement each other well, but I don't think they have the upside that's required to be the high upside team. I I really like, I love Elias Lindholm. I think he's such Mm. a great piece who they added in the Dougie Hamilton trade. He's such a good player. Um, And, you know, I think in an ideal world, he's the number one right winger on a fantastic team. I could see it. Absolutely. hundred percent. A line, a a team that has a top line of Gaudreau, Eichel, Lindholm is, I think, a contender. Uh, Or if you have Jack Eichel as your number one center and Elias Lindholm as your number two center, I think that's a contender. I think that is absolutely one of the best teams in the Western conference. Um, But, you know, Elias Linton being a very good player does not give the Calgary flames a playoff berth every year. Guaranteed Um, Johnny Gaudreau, fantastic player, uh, but still, you you know, it's not, it's just not there, especially not with this defense group. And I like Noah Hannafin a lot. Um, I like Rasmus Anderson a lot, uh, even though he had a tough year, but, you know, they're, they're banking on a lot with that defense. That defense should not be finished. Um, you know, they're banking on Chris Tanev having as good a year as he did last year, which I don't think is a given. Uh, they're banking on Noah Hannafin keeping that chemistry that he showed with Tanev, which, again, I don't think is a given. They're banking on Rasmus Anderson having a bounce back to what he was in 2019-20. He did that, a lot of that, playing with Mark Giordano, who's not here anymore. Um, so that's, you know, that's going to be tricky um you know there's there's no tj brody here anymore uh, yeah. you know there's no travis hammock here anymore those guys are gone um and a lot of it is gonna have to be Yusuf of taking steps if connor Mackey makes it into the lineup he's gonna have to take a step nikita zadorov is gonna have to you know be good at defense and be a good penalty killer like it's there is no there is not a single person in the flames defense group who i can look at and say he can be counted on to at the very least, be uh, a number two defenseman for this team. And that's how I felt about Mark Giordano every year. That's how I felt about TJ Brody most years. Um, You know, that was, those two guys were so reliable every single year. And you know, you knew that they would give the Flames a defense that was at the very least capable of trotting out at least 25 reliable minutes a night. Now, I don't even know if they'll, they'll have 10 reliable minutes a night. Like it's, it's, it's extremely difficult to project and, you know, Jack Eichel acquiring him is, would be massive, but I also think it is going to be massive for the flames at some point to make a move to strengthen this defense. Um, mm. And maybe that's just an internal thing. Maybe Yusuf of Alamaki turns into the defenseman that Brad tree living saw when he wouldn't trade him for Mark stone. You know, maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's going to happen. And I, you know what, I could see it. He was fantastic in the league last year. So um you know, it's tough for a 22 year old defenseman to come back after missing an entire season and almost the whole season before that with injuries. So um, the flames have a lot of question marks. They have potential, but um, right now, I think that acquiring Jack Eichel would make a lot of those question marks a lot smaller. So we'll see, but um, until then, it's hard to really hard to really project them.
0: So, it's time we unpack this a little bit more because you're talking about like deep cut Calgary Flames references from like 10, 15 years ago. So what's the origin story here? Is it just naturally this is where you're from? This is the local hockey team kind of thing? Or is there anything a little deeper than that in terms of your Calgary Flames fandom?
1: Well, you know, I've, I've watched the Flames for a very long time. Uh, I went to my uh-huh. first game. Uh, first game was in April 2009 that I saw in person. It was a 4-1 win over L.A. Uh, back when Wayne Simmons was still a, an LA King, he scored the only goal for LA in that game. Um, you know, I really do follow this team quite closely, um, and you know, I've seen I've seen every single one of those season openers that they've lost in a row. They're now up to eleven in a row uh, of eleven consecutive, the longest stre- streak in North American professional sports of season opening losses. Eleven. Um, and by the way, fun, fun fact about that. Um, this Daryl Sutter is going to be the sixth different Flames to coach to try and break that streak. And the second different Sutter. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's, that's going to be fun. Um, yeah, it's like lore like that that keeps you sort of invested. It's, it's the, it's the Flames. The Flames are, are a very interesting and fun team because, you know, they are one of only two teams in the entire NHL to have never picked in the top three of a draft and the other one is Vegas and Vegas has been around for 4 years and Calgary's been around for 40. So you know, it's just you you're always starting cuz Calgary Calgary's a funny team because they they very much want to make the playoffs every single year. They they don't care if they're their 3rd or, or or 13th. They they want to make it. And so it comes at the expense of not wanting to be bad for very long, not wanting to be that bad. And so it's very much a team that is always you know always designed to be as close to you know being in it for as long as possible cuz that playoff revenue is very important to this team. Yeah. Um so it's it's led to a team that is always sort of in the thick of it but never really destined to get out of that thickness. Um and so yeah, like it's it's been a team that has had good players and you know guys like Jerome McGinley are are undeniably very appealing to young hockey fans coming up and I'm watching hockey. Who are you going to watch? You're going to watch Jerome McGinley. He's the guy who set up Sidney Crosby in the 2010 Olympics. You know, he's, he's one of the best players ever, honestly. Um, You you know, you, you two years after again, left, you have Johnny Gaudreau come in. I mean, of course you're going to want to watch him. You know, he's the Calder trophy finalist. He's, he's just fantastic. You have Mark Giordano in there for 10 years. You know, you're going to want to want to watch him. He's a Norris trophy winner. So it's not, it's not a team that, that, that drives away its fans. It's, it keeps the flames are able to keep their star players. They've, they've never really had much of an issue with that. They're not like, you know, Ottawa losing all of its star players in the span of 18 months. They, they, they can, they can keep, they, they can keep fan favorite players. They can attract a fan base. They, they sell out the saddle They're, 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 they're a hot ticket in Calgary even still. Um, and they, uh, they kind of have that, that quality to them, that underdog quality that I think keeps people invested because they just they sometimes just can't help but get in their own way, um, and it's just it's the sort of thing where as a team you know you wish they would do better, but at the same time it's like God it's funny that they don't. <laughs> it's at some at some points, point, you know they just it's just it's just a it's just a a, a bit of a sad sack team at times, um, and and you're just you're just in it because you 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 have a feeling that one day they might be better so. Who knows? We'll see. Maybe Jack Eichel's that guy. We'll see. Maybe they'll do it.
0: How do you grapple with that? The two parts of your brain that are, I just want to see the team do well. And the I understand they need to be competitive. It's not in their best interest for the short term to suck for two years and try and get a high draft pick. How do you balance those two parts of your brain? Because you, like you've said during the first part of this conversation, they're not building towards something sustainable they're building towards we want to get in the playoffs we need to sell four home games hopefully maybe we get seven home games if we get to the second round how do you balance those two interests that are conflicting in your soul because you're not just talking about this from the fan perspective you're also understanding this from the professional side of things
1: yeah i mean personally i think they should they should have rebuilt last year i mean i, I think mm-hmm. they, they should be rebuilding right now um and honestly i think there's a lot there's a lot of entertainment value in watching a rebuild because it's just all you get to watch all the all the prospects come up and it's just you know it's you get to see all the all the fun stuff really i mean that's 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 entertaining to me but some people don't like that some people want to see uh you know some people want to experience the uh intensity of being in that playoff stretch run every single year even if it's not if, even if it's all for nothing and and i i i can understand that um personally i find it i find it difficult to get like as invested in a season just covering the team if i don't feel like they're good to anything even if they're in the playoff run if 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 if, if the if if you suspect that the end result of the season is even if they get into the playoffs, they're going to be out in five games. It's hard to really care much, um, especially when the team is basically the exact same every single year. <laughs> like the the, 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 flames forward group has been almost identical now for the last four or five years. Um, so, it, you know, that's, that's, that's hard to, that's hard to rationalize sometimes. Um, I, I, I think, you know, Personally, and I've said this on Twitter many times, I, I think that you would the Flames would just do a lot to spark fan interest if they, you know, if they went all in, got that Jack Eichel player, you know, you went in, or they just were honest with their fans and they said, "We're going to tear this down, and you're going to see all the kids you want, you're going to see all the prospects, you're going to see Matthew Phillips, Glenn and Adam Rizic could come up for a full season and 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 play their hearts out and do what they can to try and be better NHL players." And it's time for us to build around Matthew Kachuk, Andrew Mangipani, Noah Hannafin, all these young guys, and trade Goudreau, Monahan, Backlund, whoever. Um, and just be, you know, be a team that is going to try and get all the top end talent they can. Um, that would be something that I honestly, given what the flames have done lately, they they have never done that sort of a rebuild. You know, the, the rebuild that they committed to after they traded a Ginla lasted two years. Um, like it was, it was teensy weensy and honestly, they had one season in there where they were really bad, uh, because like they were committed to being bad because they entered the 2012, 13 season still with Jerome McGinley. He was coming off an 86 point season. It was the shortened lockout year. They traded again, halfway through that season. So that was the 2012, 13 season, 2013, 14 is their one rebuild year. They finished fourth, last, they drafted Sam Bennett. The next year they make the playoffs and it's like, okay, rebuilds over, I I guess. So like, it wasn't even in two years. It was like one and a quarter years. That was their last rebuild. So, you know, imagine how the flames could do if they rebuilt for like four years or five years or something decent, you know? Um, I, I would love to see it personally. Um, And I think a lot of other fans would too. Um, So that's, that's not necessarily anything in my brain. I think there are fans out there who, who would say, Oh, i I'm not sure if I'm ready to sign up for a rebuild. I, I might cancel my season tickets. And honestly, for the flames perspective, that might be really important to them. They don't want to lose those seasons tickets, but um, I think in the long, t- uh, in the long run, um, it would be a really beneficial move for them. And uh, I don't know. I don't know if they're ever going to commit to that, but uh, the other team that I cover is sort of tearing it down right now. So I, uh, I, I, I can jive with that. I, I at least have one of the teams that I can watch and I can see them sort of, those gears in motion but yeah
0: before we jump to the coyotes just a word of advice if you do tear it down do not play tom wilson with three games left in your season do (laughs) do not do that because four years will go down the toilet
1: (laughs) yeah you'll end up signing barkley goodrow for six years instead of blake coleman oh boy
0: yeah god damn all right that is hey I, i would have rather them overpaid blake Coleman than. Barkley Goudreau, Ryan Reeves, Tenorty, oh, and all together. I love Coleman love at least Blake Coleman's a very good player.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I I wanted to mention Blake Coleman. That's a fantastic addition, actually. Um, I'm I, I mean I mentioned some of the wingers that the Flames brought in earlier, guys like Tangay and and uh well I guess Huselius even though not the best person ever, but um, you know, Blake Coleman, um, you know, he is just a fantastic Fantastic player. And I am just thrilled that the Flames, you know, made that move because this is a guy who who has been a first line forward in his career, but he's also been a third line forward in his career. He's the kind of guy who you can just he's the kind of guy. See what I was saying earlier about a guy like Mark Giordano and TJ Brody being you know reliable, guys who can play those, you know, the guys you who you can look at going into a season and say, This guy is at the worst gonna be a number two defenseman. I feel like with Blake Coleman, you can say this guy is at the very least going to be a guy who I can put on my third line and say, he is going to be a fantastic two-way player there who can anchor my PK and probably score 15 goals. Um, I mean, unless he, you know, turns into a, a pumpkin, which, hey, no other UFA winger has ever done that before coming to Calgary or after coming to Calgary, but. Blake Coleman, you know, offers just so many tantalizing attributes that even even though they gave him six years, that's a signing that I think is a real step in the right direction for the Flames. And if they are able to trade for Jack Eichel, a top six that has both Eichel and Coleman in it, added to this Flames team this summer, substantial upgrade to me. That's that's the kind of step the Flames should be taking, not signing Troy Brower to a four-year deal or stuff like that. You know, that's that's the that's the forward retool the Flames should be doing i like that sort of stuff
0: i've always been a blake coleman guy i live about 40 minutes away from the prudential center so i go to a lot of devil's games every year just to kind of see the other team so i can see you know vancouver once a year when they come in i can mm-hmm. see edmonton when they come in that kind of thing and coleman always jumped out because he was the best player on a garbage team he was playing with you know no help on the back end. So it was essentially up to the three forwards to play the puck the entire time playing with away from Nico. Heesher, didn't get to play with Jack Hughes at all and just kind of driving his own line. And we saw it this year in Tampa, especially that third line was dominant, like 58, 59% of the scoring chances with him and Gord driving the line. And yeah. I think it's very interesting that Tampa's third line got poached by all of the, by other teams because Tampa paid below market value. I mean, yes, they had to give up first round picks for Coleman and um, Goudreau, but at the same time, they were on restricted free agent contracts. Now, Mm -hmm. I I do like Blake Coleman, but at the same time, do I really want to be paying him that much money for that many years? So I understand from a Calgary perspective, this is a plug and play guy. We can throw him on our second line right now and he's fine, but it's to your point about never really going for it. It's, this will help us for two or three years, but the back end of that deal is probably going to be a problem.
1: Yeah. And that's why they need to make the most out of these first two, three years, because you know the, the thing with Blake Coleman is that Calgary, he's the kind of guy who Calgary should have been acquiring like four years ago. Yeah. Calgary should have been making that trade with New Jersey, you know, when he was 25, you know, but Calgary kind of has that guy in Andrew Maggiapane, like Coleman kind of reminds me of a, of what Maggiapane is going to look like in the future. Um, And I love the versatility that Blake Coleman brings and that he's able to play center. He's able to play on the wing and he can play first, second, third line. You know, he's, he's the kind of guy who you can just count on anywhere. Uh, That's the kind of move that Calgary needs to be making more if you ask me, but they also have to complement it with the all-in moves that I think they should be making. first round picks should not be off the table for Calgary. If they're making an Eichel trade, absolutely not. So hopefully they get that done soon. We'll see
0: last thing on the flames before we go over to the coyotes how good is matthew kachuk if i'm trying to explain this to someone else because it's easy to say he puts it he plays the way the hockey men like he's a pain in the ass he gets to the net he drives possession but if you really want to try and put it in context for someone how good he is what would you say to them
1: matthew Kachuk feeds off the game he is a player who matches the intensity of the game um, I think an issue with him down the stretch is that the flames were kind of playing a style of hockey that didn't really, you know, jive with the intensity of, you know, the games that they should have been, you know, like they, they, they were playing sort of laid back hockey and Matthew Kachuk isn't a laid back player. They've added guys to their team who are going to up the intensity level of this team up the workman like ability of this team. And Matthew Kachuk is just a guy who thrives in the dirty areas of the ice but he's just a fantastically skilled player. When he was 22, I think I, I said to one of my buddies that my prediction is that he could score 50 goals. Um, he has that amount of skill. He is the kind of guy who you know could pull a Corey Perry and just win the Hart Trophy out of nowhere. Like, I'm serious. He is he is a premier player. Um, now, I'm not sure. You know, he's going to need a long-term contract uh, coming up after next year. Um, they got to get that done. You know, if, if they can't get that done, they better trade him. But I would prefer them not to trade him because he's just a fantastic player. Um, his, his impact was neutered a bit down the stretch last year, but I still think he is, you know, one of the, one of the best players in the Western Conference, better than his brother too. Um, and uh, and um, I just think he is a foundational piece for the Flames who they should be trying to build around and sign to whatever contract is necessary. Honestly, like, I I think if you can get them to $9 million, I'd do it.
0: I think in the flat cap world, that kind of seems to be the sticking point for about what that first contract after your ELC is going to be around for the high end guys. We've seen a few of the defensemen get around that. Marner went over that, but that wasn't in a flat cap world. We'll see. I'd I'd picture, I'd peg Kachuk somewhere between nine and 10 million for the full Mm. eight years. So now switching gears, you mentioned it before about covering the Coyotes. What rational thinking person would be like, yeah, I want to write about the hockey team that is a constant dumpster fire.
1: Yeah. The Coyotes are a very easy team to pity. Um, I I, I really enjoy covering the Coyotes because they are definitely a team that is just, you know, starting with, you know, you know how in like golf, you have, you know, you have handicaps, the Coyotes have the highest handicap possible. Um, they are just—they are—they um, are a team that is just—you can't—you can't even imagine what it would be like for the Arizona Coyotes to win the Stanley Cup.
0: They almost did. They went to I a know. conference final. Like I know they did, ago. which is
1: in, which is hysterical. But like, just think about it in your mind. You know that that image, picture. that mental image of the K- Kachina jerseys, Arizona, Clayton Keller skating around the ice, lifting that Stanley Cup above his head—it's just the most perplexing nhl image you can think of you mentioned it the coyotes just full-on admitting
0: all right we got to start from scratch and they are in one of the situations that's similar to what columbus is what winnipeg has been where if they don't draft guys and develop them they leave and they're not going to be able to entice free agents to come and they have to They have to knock their draft picks out of the park. Otherwise, you're never going to get anywhere. And it's one of the hardest things for small market teams to do to develop their talent well, because they usually don't have as much money for the resources that go into developing things. So let's start with the obvious. We'll start with Keller, because I think Clayton Keller is one of the more compelling players in the league because he had the really really fast start in his first year where i think it was 70 points in that first full season he played and since then his point totals have come down but his two-way play has gotten considerably better so as a building block do you think clayton keller is good enough to be your 1a wing to start your team build around because that seems to be their plan that they're going to start with him and go from there
1: yeah of course i mean clayton keller is is uh, a really good player. I mean, he's signed long term. Uh, he is uh, just a fantastic offensive player, and as you mentioned, he's he's developing an all around game that I think is going to take him places. And uh, you know, looking at a guy like Clayton Keller, the the comparison that, I, that obviously comes to mind is Gaudreau. And the thing is, mm-hmm. Goudreau, when when Keller or when when Gaudreau was Keller's age, he hadn't really played in the NHL at all. And Keller is a guy who has, you know, been in the league for a little while now. And he, he has a reputation for himself, absolutely. And um, I, I think he's just, you know, a, a fantastic player. And they, the Coyotes, he's he's definitely a winger. And the Coyotes need to find that center. You know, they drafted Barrett Hayton high a few years ago. And he hasn't really panned out yet. Um so they got to keep looking for that. They, they got to use their draft picks that, that they've, the, the collection that they've built this summer. Um, but it's, it's tough. Like, 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 it's tough to judge the Coyotes right now because they have that number one defenseman that, that every team needs. Um, they have Clayton Keller, but they've traded Connor Garland. Um, you know, they just, they just, they just don't have that center. They just really don't have that center. I like Christian Dvorak a lot, but he's probably going to be gone. They have Nick Schmaltz, who I really like, but he's a number two center. Um, so until they get that center to play with with Clayton, Ke- with Clayton Keller, um, it's hard to sort of consider the Coyotes even close to finishing their rebuild. Like it's yeah. – they, they got to keep going, and that's what they're doing, and, and it's good to see they have so many picks. I mean, it's, yes. that's, that's, that's a definite direction that they're taking, and so they should keep going on that until they can get that center. And when they get them, there you go. Might be next year. Might be Shane Wright. Wouldn't that be something?
0: I mean, you look at it. Them and Buffalo are going to have a contest to see who can have the worst save percentage in the entire league when you look at the two goalies that both are going to bring in. And to your point, that is a clear direction. It's not going to be pretty. It might be difficult to sell a new owner on doing this for long term, especially considering that owner's shady background and that kind of thing. But Mm -hmm. if you can actually sell your owner on doing this, this is the way to do it. You tear it down to the studs and you start completely over. Yes, it's kind of weird. They have the number one defenseman and the number one wing to start the build with already usually you have to work on acquiring those but at the very least you see the direction you see the plan now it's a matter of you know can you get a guy in here and do something with them like you mentioned they drafted barrett hayden pretty high a couple years ago and even at the time most people were kind of like that's a reach i don't know if he's going to do well in arizona for whatever reason because it's arizona but you got to see it eventually like it's great to have all these draft picks but draft picks are lottery tickets you could do something with them but you actually have to do something with them
1: yeah i mean i really love the dylan gunther pick um Mm -hmm. that was a guy who i would have i wouldn't have been surprised to see him go top three so seeing him go ninth Arizona, i love that pick for them and they really needed to get that pick after they lost their first round pick this year um so you know getting Gunther there just a steal for them um yeah and, and, you know, the, some of the, their second round picks were funny. Um, drafting Josh Doan at 37 was, uh, was a good story. I don't know how that's going to pan out. I would have expected Doan to maybe be a third or fourth rounder, but hey, you know what? They got it. They, they had to get him. Their other two second rounders are also interesting. Ilya Fedotov was a reach, um, and Janice Moser, I really like Janice Moser, but he's 21. Um, so they drafted a, a third year overrager. Um, with the 60th overall pick, so um, you know, it, it was an interesting draft. I love Dylan Gunther. Um, I think that's a fantastic pick for them. Um, you know, he's a guy who I would have loved to see fall to Calgary, but um, yeah, they're on the right track compared to where they have been in past years. They have made some fantastic trades, um, like just fantastic trades. It's been a masterclass, if you ask me, this summer. <laughs> Um, but, and we'll get to that obviously, but, um, for now, the core that they are building, uh, of prospects with Victor Soderstrom and Dylan Gunther and Barrett Hayden and Matthias Pacelli, there's stuff to like, there is definitely stuff to like, and there's definitely stuff that will be intriguing to follow.
0: You mentioned it. So we'll, we'll get to it because there is something to be said for tearing it down to the studs, but at the same time. You do have to worry a little bit about composition, the intangibles, the locker room stuff, because that is demoralizing for your young players, your Clayton Kellers of the world that, you know, yeah, we traded OEL, we traded Darcy Kemper, we're starting entirely over. That does, you know, there is a negative consequence to starting over. I mean, the Rangers are having that problem right now where, yeah, they tore it down. Yeah, they've got all these high end guys, but there's no leader in that room. There's no there's no putting your foot down when there's a bad losing streak or a bad streak of performances where those young guys are great. And we think they're going to be good, but so much of hockey is confidence-based that if you're not confident in your game, it doesn't matter how talented you are. You're not going to be able to produce.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's true. Um, I think a guy like Jacob Chikrin who is going to really embrace being that leader in the room. Um, He's so good. I think he'll be the, yeah, I agree. I think he'll be named captain probably this year. We'll see. Um, he's, you know, he would be the obvious guy for me. I mean, the the Oats have done something interesting in that they have added, you know, in, in doing their cap dump trades, they have added guys who can also play for them. And yeah. so we're going to see guys like Andrew Ladd playing for the Coyotes this year. And we're going to see like, guys, which is hilarious. We're going to see guys like Shane Gostis-Bear and we're going to see Anton Strahlman and we're going to see all sorts of guys coming in and being pillars for this team um who you know i think these guys at these stages of their careers are going to relish this opportunity A guy like anton Strowman wasn't going to get anywhere in florida uh now he is on you know an expiring contract with arizona and he's probably going to be in their top four um same with shane goss that's one of the trades of the summer if you ask me
0: oh yeah
1: um getting shane Gostas bear and what two seconds was it for nothing oh. like oh my gosh like what is that? Like, like Philadelphia, my goodness. Like clearing space, clearing space to acquire Rasmus Ristalai. I don't know. That's a weird one. But um Coyote's definitely the beneficiary of that one. I mean it's really stunning some of the stuff. I, I I mean, I think I'm even forgetting one of the moves that they've made. I mean, it's just really actually quite fascinating to to see all the maneuvering they've made and all the picks they've managed to add. I mean, I had that tweet that I posted a few weeks ago a couple weeks ago now of all the picks that they've added this summer and it's just five second round picks and one. i mean it's insane it's it's actually ridiculous just how many you know how many future assets they've managed to add and 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 they've gotten guys who can be in this room and who can lead the team guys who've been around the block more than a few times um so you know it might not be the best team it's definitely not going to be the best team <laughs> it's not going to be but i think there will be a uh, a leadership core there I don't know. Like uh, my expectation is, we'll see Chikrin named captain. Stroman probably gets an A. Ladd might get an A. Uh, I don't know who else is going to get an A. Maybe Dvorak if he's still there. Um, you know, they still got guys to flip though too. Like they got yeah. Phil Kessel to flip. I could see them. I could see them moving Phil Kessel before the season starts. Um, oh yeah, they got Louis Erickson. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally forgot about that. It's amazing, you know. They make all these trades, and you know, guys like Louis Erickson slip your mind because of how active they've been. Um, you know, where they're, they're, they're not done yet because they only have five defensemen. Four of them are only, only four of them are signed to NHL contracts right now. Um, so they're going to need, need to add defensemen, but, um, it's by, by far, even if I wasn't following the Coyotes before this summer, the Coyotes entering this year would have been one of the top three teams for me to watch just how they come out of the gate next season. Cause there's so much intrigue there. There's so much you're looking at and being like. Oh boy, what's happening here? Like, who that are was, these guys? How are they going? That to was react? Ottawa
0: last year. That was yeah, me exactly. with the Senators last year. Just I want to see the chaos. Like every single game is going to be exciting because the goalie has an eight ninety save percentage. It's going to be exciting every single. Well, you know game. what would
1: be chaos? You know what would be chaos is if Shane Goss comes in, plays the top power play, and scores sixty points. And because <laughs> uh, they don't have Rick Talkett anymore, like I don't think yeah. they're going to be a def- I don't think. I don't think they're going to be a defense first team anymore. I think they're going to be uh, sort of a run-and-tumble team, um, I, I, a rough-and-tumble, I should say. I, I think um, I think it's going to be a team that's going to be a lot of fun to watch, actually, with Andre Turini as the head coach. I mean, that's the guy who's developed a ton of young players in his career, and has graduated guys who have gone on to be high-scoring NHL players. You know, I, I, I could see... The Coyotes being, you know, actually a team with very high entertainment value this year, which I think is something that the fans in Glendale have wanted for a very long time. That's a team that has not had very many high scores over the years. So if they can turn Clayton Keller into a guy who scores 70 points again, I mean, that's something that I think the fans in the Valley would really love to see.
0: Oh, I've long been of the opinion that someone is going to take Spare, fix him, and turn him into some draft picks because you can retain a little bit of salary on that too, turn him from 4-5 or five to like two two five. You, 5 A 50-point defenseman for 2.5, 2.25 million, a lot of teams would line up for that. So I'm definitely of the same opinion as you that it, that's the kind of guy a rebuilding team needs to take a flyer on because you have nothing but cap space. So just sitting it there or taking long-term injured reserve contracts for mid-round picks those that's good but at the same time use your cap space use your cap space for reclamation projects restore value to guys and try and do something while you're rebuilding don't just be god awful which I think they're probably going to be because of the goaltending situation but at the very least we know they're going in the right direction. Like you mentioned, they have an absurd amount of draft selections. They've got a few guys they've already gotten the pipeline. And at the very least, very, very least, they're going to be in a lot of high scoring games.
1: Yeah. And Hey, you know what? Goals, 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 Carter Hutton and Yostef Kojnash. I mean, that's, that is a, a goaltending tandem for the ages right there. Um, I wonder if the coyotes are going to sign Curtis McElhinney just for old time's sake, just to come in and be there. their one B. I mean, it is, uh, it is, it is going to be a, a team with interesting storylines at every position. And, um, you know, maybe Louis Erickson goes on their second line and scores 20 goals again. What would, wouldn't, wouldn't that be funny? Nothing is off the table for this Coyotes team. Absolutely nothing, uh, except making the playoffs. And um, so that, with that in mind, it's going to be a fun season, I think, even if they aren't any good.
0: You mentioned it there about making the
1: playoffs. We've seen them do weird things over the years,
0: like trading for Taylor Hall as a fringe mm-hmm. team, taking mm-hmm. Phil Kessel as a salary dump. Can you unpack and kind of explain the Coyotes in terms of direction? Because the timeline's really clear. Once they fire Chayka, the team obviously goes in a different direction and starts the rebuild, but it kind of seemed like they were staying in that middle. They were trying to do what the flames were doing, where we just want to make the playoffs and whatever happens, happens kind of deal.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, you could see that John Chayka wanted to, uh, wanted to get something out of the years that he had spent there and, you know, trading for Taylor Hall, it was kind of justifiable. I think at the time the coyotes were third or second in the Pacific. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, and they actually, you know, they, they made the playoffs. They won, they beat, they beat Nashville in the qualifiers. So yeah, then they got thoroughly stomped by Colorado, but who, who doesn't get thoroughly stomped by Colorado these days. So, um, you know, I think that was a respectable season, even though they ended it pretty poorly at the 2020 draft with that terrible, uh, unethical showing by themselves. But, um, you know, I I think that that it's a team that you know has had a little bit of success. It's not like it's not like it's a team that is allergic to developing good players. You've seen them develop Jacob Chikrin into one of the best defensemen in the league. You know, they they have made Clayton Keller into a star. They've made Connor Garland into a guy who can be traded for you know essentially the ninth overall pick. They they. They have, they, they, they have managed to build, um, they've managed to grow some pieces into respectability, you know, into, into legitimate NHL players. And they just haven't had enough of those assets. They just haven't had enough kicks at the can to really build a deep organization. And so that's what they're trying to do They're They are sacrificing the short-term in favor of the long-term and I think that's a very respectable thing for them to do. And I think it's going to breed a more favorable. I mean, think about it this way: you know, Arizona. I actually don't think Arizona's situation right now is wholly dissimilar from where Tampa Bay was in 2008-ish, uh, when they were still under sort of chaotic ownership um, before Jeff Vinick stepped in and bought the team, um, and they ended up drafting Stamkos and Hedman back to back, and but at the time they were sort of a team that was, you know, squandering away a lot of its talents. You know, they had sort of sapped a lot of what Vinny Cavalier had to offer. They were, you know, sort of floundering a little bit. And, you know, that team is that Tampa Bay has since become a premier destination in the NHL. And I can very easily see a future where players are like, yeah, I want to go play for a winning team in a beautiful market. And Arizona is, you know, I could see a future where Arizona is one of the most desirable places to play in the league, because that is, you know, that's a that's a great place to live. You know, like just in terms of if you're a millionaire athlete and you want to live in a desert climate, you know, with with you know beautiful scenery, and I mean, don't
0: forget the golf, don't and forget golf, the
1: golf, golf. Uh, I mean, you can go climb some sand dunes. I don't know, I don't know what you do with sand dunes, but um, you know, it's, it's, I could see Arizona being definitely in the same vein as a team like Tampa Bay and being, you know, a, a good, a good team in a beautiful market. Um, they just have to build that culture and they just have to draft high for a few years and hit on those picks. Cause that's something else that, that Arizona hasn't really done over the years is they haven't really yeah. drafted super duper high. And when they have drafted super duper high, like guys like Dylan Strom, they barely missed out on the guys. Like imagine if they had Jack Eichel or like, like Arizona would have had way more success with Jack Eichel than Buffalo did. Like Arizona's incompetence doesn't even come close to the level of incompetence that's been displayed by Buffalo. I mean, they've made the playoffs. They've managed to develop guys, you know? Um, So I think, I think there is a future there. Um, And I think Bill Armstrong coming in for all his faults and there are some, but Um, You know, turning this team into a team that is just stocking up on draft picks and that is going to really focus on its young players, which is something that really helped St. Louis win the cup when Armstrong was there. Um, That is that is something that I could see being a very successful path forward for Arizona. They just got to see it through.
0: So as we wrap up here, we'll open it up a little bit more because both of these teams are in the Pacific Division. So I think it's worth talking about the big thing about that. Oh, yeah. Be fuck, yeah, because of the realignment because of Seattle. God damn it. I keep messing up the divisions because of <laughs> But it, realistically, in terms of being in that Pacific Division circling back around to the flames, mm-hmm. Decent will get you in because you figure Vegas probably wins the division. And then I don't trust my 40-year-old Mike Smith. Mm -hmm. I don't know what Seattle is going to be. I don't think Seattle will score enough. They'll be good defensively, but I don't think they'll score enough. I don't think any of the California teams are ready. The Kings maybe, but the goaltending and the defense still aren't great. How do you figure where Calgary
1: figures out in that pecking order? Well, with the wild cards being back, um, I think you have to look at both divisions. So I think, um, so you can sort of look at them simultaneously, I suppose, with Calgary and Arizona, because, I don't think Arizona's gonna be playoff relevant at all. I think they'll, they'll finish eighth in the in the central, maybe seventh if they get lucky. But I think they'll wanna finish eighth. Um, I think with so I think there will probably be five teams out of the central that make it. Um my expectation is we'll see. Um if Caprizov is back, Minnesota will make it. Um I expect uh Colorado will definitely make it. So that's two. Uh who else is even in the central? Uh, Dallas? The- Dallas probably makes it St. Louis probably makes it and. uh, uh, Who am I forgetting I don't think eh, Chicago I don't know if they'll make it. Um, Nashville, maybe. Maybe Nashville. No, I don't don't think Nashville makes it um I mean okay. it's hard to say I think call it I think it'll go Colorado um, Oh, Winnipeg's there they'll make it so I think it'll be Colorado Winnipeg Minnesota St. Louis and Dallas I think those five teams all make it in the central um, which leaves just three spots in the Pacific and I think Vegas is definitely going to wrap one of those up Um, then let's start from the bottom because I don't see uh, Vancouver making it I don't see uh, LA Anaheim or 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 San Jose making it so that's four already wrapped up Um, and I don't see Seattle making it so I think it'll be Calgary Edmonton in the first round which would be great. That hasn't happened in 30 years. Um, I I legitimately think that'll happen. And um, my expectation is that Edmonton will win the series, but uh, don't let any of my, uh, don't let any of my Twitter followers hear that one. So, uh, you know, um, I I have Edmonton in six in that series, but um, I think that'll be the first round. Um, I don't think Calgary will win the, and uh, this is all contingent on the Flames not acquiring Eichel. If they acquire Eichel, My entire prediction changes. I could see them passing Vegas. I don't know. We'll see. Um, But Calgary, Edmonton, I think as things currently stand are locked into those two, three spots. Uh, And I think regardless of who wins that series, it'll be over in six. That's my prediction.
0: It's a very bold prediction, you know, like eight months out from the start of the playoffs, Mike. I I like the energy, though. I like the energy.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. Before I get you out of here, two last things. Number one. I know you mentioned way, way back at the beginning of this conversation you weren't sure what Buffalo would want for Eichel. So, the supposed price has been four first-round valued assets. So either first-round picks outright, or players who have been selected in the first round in recent years. So, in an ideal world, what does that look like? Two first-round picks, and what do first-round pick players that are on your team right now?
1: Well. I think, yeah, you'd see the 2022 first involved for sure. Um, You probably see one of either Connor Zary or Matt Coronado um, involved in there. So, yeah, one of those guys, probably Yusuf Alamaki on defense. Um, And I think you, I mean, for salary purposes, I think Sean Monahan's the obvious guy going back off the roster. So, I mean, that's sort of been the general, you know, agreed upon consensus potential return um, is, you know, Monahanna first Sari or Coronado and, uh, Balamaki. Um, so yeah, something like that. It's, it's hard to, it's hard to say, but, um, I think that could be it. Um, now, you know, maybe the flames can get creative and, and get Milan Lucci shedding back in there. And, and if that's the case, maybe they have to add another first rounder, but, um, it's, it's something to look out for. I mean, Ultimately, I think Shaw Monahan's probably gone this offseason regardless, so um, I think that with Monahan, the first Valimaki and one of those two prospects is probably the most likely, but we'll see. Well it's, it's
0: going to be very interesting because this kind of thing usually doesn't happen in the NHL, this is a very NBA storyline, and mm-hmm. a lot of teams have kind of priced themselves out of Eichel already, like LA did by signing know. The Wild probably did by buying out Suter and Parise on the same day. The Rangers would have to send salary back, which is a problem for them. And it kind of seems like there's not really an obvious suitor for Eichel. So it's going to make this a very slow-burning situation, which is frustrating because whatever team acquires him is going to have to let him get the surgery and wait and probably miss the start of the season. Because, you know, training camp is eight weeks away in the first week of august nine weeks away we're not that far away and nope. you know surgery rehab that takes time so whoever gets him is probably going to miss him the first month of the season at least
1: yeah yeah probably i mean it's it's but you're not getting them just for this season so that's yes. that's that's the rationale. that's the rationale that you have to put forth um he's a difference maker so i think oh, absolutely be it. i think it'll be worth it
0: i hope so i would love to get jack eichel on my team all right mike before i get you out of here please promote your work you do good stuff
1: oh thank you i appreciate it um basically you know the best way to follow my work is just by going to twitter uh my ad is at mike t Gould on twitter um i'm all over the place like i read about the coyotes at sb nation for five for howling um i write about the flames a couple spots i write at the wind column and i write at flames nation um i write I, or I, I appear on Ice Thetics YouTube channel, and I uh, that later this month I will be starting as the public address announcer for the Okotok Oilers here in the AJHL. So, uh, you know, all sorts of different stuff coming up, and it's uh, it's an exciting time. Thank you for coming on, Mike. You're one of the smart people.
0: I heard you talking <laughs> in someone's space like a month or two ago, and I was like, all right, this guy's smart. Follow.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you.
0: You have the same kind of encyclopedic knowledge of useless hockey information I do. So I completely like, I, <laughs> I, I've, I identify with you very much where you're referencing people from like the 2007 Flames. I'm like, yeah, I remember Peter Pruker on the Rangers when I was nine. I remember
1: that too. <laughs> so,
0: so yeah. I completely understand. I wanna thank Mike for stopping by the show. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. We will be back tomorrow, more hockey talk. We're gonna be talking hockey and art, really good guest. I will see you guys then.